Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Vigilante Book Club. If you're a first-time listener, we recommend going back to the beginning of the season as we are reading a book together. Our show contains mature subject matter and foul language. If that's a problem for you, go fuck yourself. Exactly, Thane Smith. <laughs> I've, ruined, I've ruined the show and the book. <laughs> Single-handedly. Flick it. <laughs> Twist it. <laughs> Pop it. <laughs> Twist it. Oh my god. That's, ex- that's exceptional, Andrew. Yeah, and it's an, exa- it's an exact replica of how Farron masturbates. <laughs> <laughs> this whole wave of uh, self... like Okay, this is an actor. This is me doing an actor's rant for a second. So I just woke up to this and it's on my mind. During the pandemic and during all this sort of stuff, actors, as you probably both know, you have to make your tapes at home. You have to do everything yourself. And yeah. There's been expectation of building your own home studio level quality. Yeah. But I had this audition and, and I also was asked to be the person who sent it to casting. Uh, <laughs> they didn't want me to send it to my agent. They just wanted me to WeTransfer the file to them when it was done. Hmm. And I was like, sure. Which At this point, I'm like, I am casting. Like, Mm -hmm. I (laughs) found the reader. I did the filming. I did the editing. And I sent it directly to this email. But what's so stupid and exposing about this is I just got an email this morning from WeTransfer saying... um, you, no one's downloaded your transfer <laughs> and it's about to expire. Fuck's sake. What the hell? And it's like, don't. So I'm mad because I'm like, it's so insulting. But also, how short sighted on your end do you have to be to be like, yeah, you, we transfer it to us. And then you'll know we never downloaded it. You have to know how we transfer works. Know that I never, <laughs> you never looked at it. Oh, oh god. my god! Yeah, it's just it's short sighted because there's always been the suspicion that when you send a tape or you make a tape and you mm-hmm. you know it just goes off into the void, you kind of go, I have a suspicion that no one really watches this or yeah. they don't get very far in it or they they see my slate and they don't even watch the take or something. Mm-hmm. But to have it blatantly confirmed now because. They've asked us to be so directly involved that I I I have the confirmation of you watching it or not. <laughs> you it's even like, downloading it? It's not. Yeah, it's just so absurd. Where it's like, if you're gonna ask us to do that, you you have to hold up some end of your bargain. You have to at least download it. <laughs> yeah, you at least <laughs> yeah. need to download it. You don't even have to watch it. This isn't probably gonna make it on the episode, but. I love when you preface so many things like that. (laughs) Well, I just feel like this is like such inside baseball. But um, I got recommended to, uh, unless they request it at the beginning of the um, self-tape, isolate at the end of the self-tape. Yeah, unless unless they say, make sure it's at the top. I always put it at the end because it's the least... There's probably people out there who have a really great skill at it and they've mastered how to be very charming and like... And people who are who are you know very proud of showing off their bodies and hands like that <laughs> stuff is that's their wheelhouse. But I yeah I, I similarly I'm like I'd like to my work to speak first yeah. yeah and then for you to look at my hips after yeah. <laughs> to see how tall I am to do the full right. body slate. I I mean I always do the pan because you'd have to be in another country to see me full body. It's such a dehumanizing tactic to ask if you're listening and you're wonder if you've never experienced this. Actors, when you make a tape, um, 
you very often have to show your whole body. Um, you f- they ask you to frame the scene so it's just your head and shoulders, but at some point they want you to pull the camera back or pan up and down so they can see your whole body. And I, I, I'm just wondering if at one point in the world that they hired an actor off the head and shoulders and they got there and they were they were an <laughs> octopus from the waist down. <laughs> and they were like, oh, God, we, we, gotta we don't change have pants how we do for this. tentacles. Less like, yeah, learned. like... What absurd curveball did some lower half <laughs> actor send? Like, what are you? What are you worried about finding down there? Like, it's got four legs. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's how got four legs. <laughs> He's half car. I don't know. Yeah, it's just what's the. It's, Oh, it's a minotaur. Yeah. (laughs) That damn minotaur keeps coming back trying to get on. I wondered what that tail was whipping behind him. (laughs) You must mean centaur because minotaur is like the bull-headed nerd. Yeah, you're right. I meant the labyrinth. Nerd. Listen, I appreciate. You would be able to tell from the waist up if you were a minotaur. (laughs) We all knew what he meant. I was I was in the dark. Yeah, what are you talking about? I I think I think you actually mean the Greek gods. (laughs) Not Minotaur of (laughs) classically defined in Odysseus Iliad. I think on page two hundred and thirty-seven of the Iliad, uh, you'll find that. Uh, Drew, if I may, if I if I may, uh, I just feel that it's important that you really are accurate with your historical references to fiction. <laughs> what, what are we dealing with here? Sirens all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> you two just evidence so much more Greek awareness, Greek mythological awareness. We than did. I did. We My flexed one our direction. Greek knowledge yeah, in, in our making fun of you. your apparent I, Greek I knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> I was still recovering from our last recording in that goddamn reading. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. You know what? I haven't even had a chance to listen to the whole thing yet. It's nice to know you're committed to our show. But outside of recovering from last uh, last episode's ridiculous uh self-punishment of all those voices um i was thinking about um something that was apparent in that chapter and has been apparent in a lot of the book with our lead character thane this person gets um abducted by of superior species incredible technology taking him out of the atmosphere going to a mothership mind flotation technology to just right. hover his body up mental there. flotation and then he mental ment, flo- ment, mental mental flotation, mental flotation. <laughs> and then proceed it to have the audacity to tell them to go fuck themselves <laughs> yeah. and have a hissy fit on yeah. that spaceship and it just started to make me think about how he's driven up to an air force base and all this sort of stuff that's been going on and the word i'm coming to is privilege right and how privileged this character is and it just made me think about that concept and i wanted to ask us about what privilege do you see in your life and how do you see yourself um, benefiting from privilege i mean i don't feel terrified when walking around the world the reality of how i exist in the world physically as a straight white cisgendered male i don't enter into a room and go like who's here how do i need to conduct myself differently in order to fit in with you know a a norm or something i just get to walk into a room and exist i don't feel that fear i know that my privilege is 
evident so dominantly that I I am unaware of how effective my privilege is. That's one of the big. I think that's one yeah. one of the most privileged things you can have is that you're so privileged mm-hmm. you're not aware of when your privilege is actually taking effect in the space. But one of the ones Absolutely. that always hits me is the walking. Uh, walking at night, mm-hmm. walking anywhere in the city. And it's always that moment I kind of have where, I mean, I'm a little guy and I'm not a violent person. So I have that moment where I have that thought where I go, oh, God, I'm alone. It's it's getting late and I'm walking and like, is someone going to hurt me? And then I have that click moment where I go, wait, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm going to be fine. And I'm actually the thing that might make someone else feel nervous. If I'm walking for more than a block behind a woman, yeah, I'll stop and I'll wait so that she can get far enough away, or I'll just cross the street and walk on the other side of the street. So at least it's doesn't because you know they don't know that I'm the weakest, tiniest man, and she turned at me and like gave me a glare. I just burst into tears. She doesn't know that. I always just I just yell ahead. I, I'm not a threat, and you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm more scared of you than you are of me. And then they they run, and then they run, and I run to catch up. Uh, yeah, and I catch up. Yeah. So, I'm like they didn't to hear explain. me, so you I have gotta, to explain. I'm chasing them, yeah. screaming. It's I think they're just hearing explain myself. Threat. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm not going to use this knife. I have no use for this knife. Yeah. I just have it for my own protection. <laughs> um, yeah, and also if if they start running, I go like, oh god, they're running away from something scary. I should run too. Yeah, yeah, I'll go where they go. They maybe they know where to hide. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like six, seven people in a row, all yeah. half a block apart, running away from each other yeah. in the same direction. So, so sure, the person in the lead knows what we're doing. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all of that, and uh, uh, it's something I think about a lot. Uh, and on top of that, and and you you were just touching on this cave on. It's something that I'm I'm very contemplative about lately with regards to my privileges my ignorance or my blind spots uh what am i not thinking of what uh when i walk into a room if i walk into a room professional or otherwise i'm immediately imposing my own narrative on it this is what's happening here this is the experience it's positive it's negative based on my own privileged filters um now i'm getting better at recognizing that there are different kinds of voices in the room and different kinds of perspectives and different kinds of minds that might find what uh, a space that I consider to be safe or respectful, not safe or, or disrespectful or, or, or vice versa, maybe. I don't know. But I think, uh, I think my privilege for a long time kept me from looking at the world through other people's eyes in such a way as I could imagine that the narrative might be different than my own. There's so many inherent privileged behaviors and psychologies that, you know, w- we have, I think, especially as men um, raised in this society and most societies in the world um, that are hard to turn or hard to adapt or hard to curve. And one of those particular for myself, and I think obviously for the three of us, as we are doing what we're doing, is that my opinion, voice, or investigation to a subject is welcome. Yeah, yeah. That if we're talking about something, then I should join in and I should share my opinion and I should have a dialogue about that as well. And every once in a while, I've noticed that it's been wonderful to have that exposure in the last few years, but with partners in the past and with a lot of um, female identifying uh, peers of mine to have been in a situation where a conversation and they go like, man, you just you just feel like everybody wants to hear what you want to say, hey? And I'm like, hmm. oh, I just thought we were just having a chat. And they were like, it's not that you don't have the right to say something. It's just that you didn't question it at all. Right. Hmm. But there was just no hesitancy. It was just like automatic. It was like, we're talking about something cool. I'm here. I'm ready to talk about it, too. 
that's really interesting. I, I've in terms of like measuring our input, uh, the way we we as privileged men contribute to conversation. We've talked about mansplaining before, and it's kind of a branch of that. But now, as you mention it, I, I'm trying to trace back in my mind because I'm a chatty Cathy. I, I definitely, uh, I can definitely monopolize a conversation, um, and I do think in some way at least that's connected to privilege and entitlement so but I'm, I'm trying to track it back in my mind now like when in my human life did i because i was i used to be really shy uh as a young person my, my parents had to do a little bit of work to to get me to open up and like look people in the eye and speak up and like respond to questions that were directed to me so i'm like when in my life did i did i make that jump from uh from keeping my mouth shut and being terrified of social interaction to maybe going way too far in the other direction and was it ever connected like can i chart how that's connected to privilege and uh and how much privilege has empowered that because i i do a similar thing i can i can rattle on in a conversation um with fairly opinionated thoughts well there's there's something that was systemically built which i think i think i'm asking i'm asking that question but it is that i think boys and adolescent men through movies through cultures through, through community through education were encouraged to speak their mind to speak up mm -hmm. to to not be shy shy was considered weak uh, weakness in men was considered effeminate so there's a mm -hmm. there's this correlation to masculinity and saying what's up and getting in there and having a voice. And women have not been encouraged and that to speak up or take a conversation by the handles uh, was equated, uh, equated to being uh, difficult, being a bitch, being problematic. Yeah. Um and 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 that's a so that's a privilege that I feel like we were we were invited to do because it was a, it was an it was equating our ability to be men was to be vocal. Yeah, that's a good point, Kayvon. And and it, I you know as I'm I'm kind of tracing back through my my memories now, which is problematic. I know because <laughs> who knows how I'm rebuilding those events in my mind. But yeah, I remember really starting to come out of my silence and and my my own sort of reclusive shell when I started to discover that I could be funny mm -hmm. and. Uh, and and at some point I was given positive feedback. I must have, I, well, definitely yeah. I had received positive feedback in the form of laughter or even more overt comments like, oh, you're a funny guy or uh, uh, you're like a comedian. You ever get that from, from a friend when you were younger? You make like a witty remark and you're like, oh, you could do stand up, something like that. Yeah. And 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 that encouraged it uh, to for me to talk more and more and more and more so than that to be funny was to have opinions i think something that's becoming clear to me in this conversation is that there were no obstacles for me that uh, i could i could say something outrageous and not uh, be put through um a filter that many women have been uh, forced to to go through in terms of what's acceptable for women to say or what's acceptable for women to think uh as men we were empowered to say whatever the fuck we wanted i think and i never had to acknowledge i never i never came up across uh, against that obstacle your obstacle is if you're not talking yeah yeah actually like i i, I agree yes uh I, I think so i feel like i'm not engaged if i'm like that that the perception is that i'm not um engaged if i'm not talking I, i'm also a verbal processor i will repeat back to the my partner what they've just said to me not like it's my own idea but essentially so that i remember it so that i it, it sits differently in me if i just hear information it it doesn't stick in the same way as if i've verbally processed it as well which can certainly sound like 
taking up all the space. You're taking up all the space. Uh, inside this, yeah, if, if I may, Kayvon, if I may. And you may, like and to, you may, just, and you may. I'd just like to talk about when, when, when entertainment when enter- began. When entertainment like, began. Way, way, when entertainment began. Way let's back. Actually, let's take it back a little bit further. Let's, let's take, take it back a little, back bit, further. A little when, bit further, though. <laughs> good point, good point, good point. If I can just finish, though. Um, no. <laughs> I, I find it interesting because we're, we're talking about uh, our male entitlement. It's actually not privilege, it's entitlement to okay. have our opinions heard and that our opinion is is valued potentially more valuable than what someone else is saying. But only entitled, enti- oh, sorry. No, please go no, ahead. No, no, but I just want to, <laughs> no, because I actually just want to have, uh, mm-hmm. I need clarification on that. You said that it's one thing, not the other, but is one not born of the other or reliant on the other? Is- I think I think that they are absolutely linked, but I do think they are different things. Can you, because can, I, think, I actually need you to walk me through that then though. Like what, sure. so what does that mean? Entitlement is being owed something and privilege is getting something without any without necessarily deserving it they do seem similar i think but privilege is like by existing i someone will historically someone will take my opinion and just accept it and i may not need to describe or defend it in any way because don't you don't you have a sense of entitlement because of your privilege certainly but that doesn't mean that they're the same thing they i think they are they can they can be and most often are inextricably linked can I just read the definitions of those two words? Because I think I think you're quite close. I've just never really asked a question, so I appreciate the investigation as we mm-hmm. talk about the subject. I just I was like I, I don't actually know if I have that strong could thing. identify them. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm I'm being challenged to as well inside of trying to describe it to you, where I'm like I know they're different, but I, I I'm I'm looking forward to the definition in a more clear way than my ramblings. Take it away, nerd. Well, no, which are facts. My ramblings are facts, <laughs> and they need to be heard. First, a definition of minotaur. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, privilege, a special right, advantage, or immunity granted or available only to a particular person or group. That's privilege. Mm-hmm. Entitlement, the fact of having a right to something. I think what's important about that is the fact. So like uh, when we say, um, when we use entitlement, uh, I think oftentimes we'll precede it by saying uh, we feel entitled, uh, which is different than we are entitled. Yeah. Uh, you I'm know, entitled we, we to my feelings. Enti- the yes. fact, I am allowed to have any feelings I have, but mm-hmm. the feeling of entitlement is that I am owed the ability to be heard or to take up the space because I have feelings. Yeah, the entitlement will uh, assure that you monopolize the conversation. The privilege will make sure no one stops you. Yeah, yeah, yeah well said. Yeah. I think what I'm hearing that helps me separate it, and which is something that we're, I think we're all grappling with as a society right now, is that privilege is something that you could have passively. Absolutely. You actually almost only ever have it passively. What are, could we name a couple things that we are entitled to that aren't negatives? One of them obviously is the, the, right, the right to vote. I would say every human being is entitled to vote. And that is not because we really have this, we have an association that when you say to somebody, oh, yeah, they're very entitled, or they, they have a, very, a real strong sense of entitlement, that that person sucks, or that like, it's, it's, a, it's mm-hmm. or it's a, it's an insult. Like, when you t- talk about somebody that way, in that classist way, it doesn't feel like a good word, it feels like a bad thing to say. I think we're using entitled technically incorrectly by saying that person's so entitled. 
what we mean is that they actually carry a large sense of entitlement, that they're owed everything, everyone can get out of their way, they get to take over every conversation, or their opinion is the only one in the room that matters, and so they can take up all the space. Hearing the full phrase, sense of entitlement, when you refer to somebody else, it you're actually what you're saying is that they, that person is overstepping that this person by saying sense of entitlement. It's that you're saying somebody is running around with false claims of entitlement. No one says mm-hmm. that person has a great sense of entitlement, which is somebody if they have, if they have a great <laughs> sense of entitlement are walking around making sure everybody's voting in control of their bodies, entitled to love. Yeah. Like I'd like to be someone who says that guy over there, great sense of entitlement. Everything he's entitled to, <laughs> yeah. it's a great sense of entitlement. Awesome. It's so great. So I was going to say, do you know what it is? It, it's that when entitlement becomes an individual act, that's when I think entitlement gets... Like a selfish act. Yes. When entitlement becomes an individual journey, that's when it starts to be... Like, I'm entitled to this house. I'm entitled to this land. I'm entitled to, you know, to, to cross the street when I want. Those are the ones where you start to go, ugh. I don't, your entitlement is very uncomfortable because it's so self-serving. You might be in legal right, but it makes me uncomfortable. But when you talk about entitlement as a as something that applies to us all, those are good ones to hang on. That's a great sense of entitlement. So this was interesting to sort of detangle that uh, for me, which really helpful was to, to actually break down this difference between entitlement and privilege and that. Um, but I'm wondering about the privilege. The privilege is this thing that we're born into, that we are, that we inherit, that we can't really choose to not have or have it's 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 been it's been prescribed and um, mm-hmm. we've co- unconsciously been taking advantage of it for the majority of our lives and probably in our lifetime we'll continue to see benefit from that privilege i guess what i'm curious about again constantly seeking the positive because i don't want to be a thane smith how can we take our privilege and use it for good how can we then not become passive passengers to privilege and just say oh i know it's there but i'm doing my best not to do anything with it because i think that that's kind of sucky too so what is the path to you i don't know weaponizing it for good I, I, is it maybe is it odd do, do you abolish privilege if everybody has it does it exist at all or does it only exist in a system where one group has more power than another if if that's the case then then maybe maybe the positive side of privilege is to eradicate it so that everybody's on a on you know equal level. I know it's maybe a bit utopian, but um, I don't know that it ever will eliminate because someone will always. It seems to be for whatever reason our society needs someone to to not be having something for someone to have more. Yeah, for which what, draws attention to the fact that there's more than one kind of privilege too. There's cultural, there's, there's so social, many there's professional. Every, yeah, almost everybody has some degree of privilege. Yeah, you're tall. Almost everybody. There, yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm tall. I've got several lines of privilege. But there are people who are oppressed people. But because you are a male oppressed person, you have a little more privilege than a female oppressed privilege, or or an, a, a non-binary or transgendered oppressed person. There's always someone who's got a little more oppression than you, or a little less privilege. And it it's not a competition of suffering, because we'll never get anywhere. Everyone will always be mad at somebody and you don't get to feel bad about it. And that's not fair. But I think for something that I can actively do, that we can actively do, or anyone who has a degree of privilege is to use that privilege to support those who don't have that privilege. And it can be in the smallest of ways. For example, I have a friend who doesn't drive. 
He doesn't have a car. He doesn't even have his license. Um, and he's in his 50s. I have a car. So if we take privilege out of it and call it just a car, I have a vehicle. I don't not drive that vehicle because someone else doesn't have that vehicle. Because someone doesn't own a car doesn't mean I shouldn't drive my car. But my friend, when he needs a ride somewhere that he can't get to reasonably by bus, or it will take him too long, or it just makes his life more difficult, I'll drive him. And I think that there are ways to utilize the privilege or your vehicle to help someone who doesn't. Is there, like, what, does anybody, can anybody think of an example of how that analogy translates to, let's say, specifically to your male privilege? Giving space to a woman will get, a female or someone non-male will be interrupted in a conversation, and I will, I will interrupt who interrupted them to say, I'm sorry, she was just saying something. Can you finish your thought there? I'm not, I'm not seeking to de de to de de uh, detangle any example, but I, I immediately had the thought of that example going, oh, but I could also envision someone going, excuse me, I don't actually need you to stand up for me and, 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 and you know, control the narrative of the room. Like, I just see there's somebody... You don't need to white knight me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess You also can't get everything right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's... there's there's no way other than, and I, I struggle with this where I go like, you know what? I'm just never going to speak again. I'll just never speak again because I can't seem to do anything right at this point. Right. And I think that that is something I need to fight against because I think that that's not driving the car. Yeah. It's going like, okay, I'm going to absolve myself of having this vehicle. So now I, I don't have a vehicle. There. Is everybody okay? No one's mad at me for having a car now because I don't have a car. I got rid of that car. I burned it in the, in the woods. Um. <laughs> And I think that's like an unhealthy response it. Yeah. to it. Yeah, but then I'd have the money for it. And then I'd be like, oh, what do I do? I guess I have to donate that money to, <laughs> you, to a cause. But I didn't donate it to this other cause. So I'm... You burnt that forest <laughs> down. Yeah. <laughs> we and, need to talk about yeah, this. Yeah, use a lot of gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> Hundreds are dead. Yeah. <laughs> Farron, can you think of an examples of, of, of how we can... Again, I'm lo looking for the light. I, 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 I acknowledge, a positive way to look at it yeah but i'm trying to be able to i don't want to burn the car in the forest because i also mm -hmm. think that that's by definition of that analogy sounds quite criminal and i do think it is criminal <laughs> to to be able to now... i'm entitled to do whatever i want with my car <laughs> yeah, legally <laughs> not in that forest though i still don't think you can burn a car in a forest um <laughs> But is that I don't I now that I can have the intelligence and the ability to look back and the and and the I've had I've learned enough from enough people to be able to not ignore my privilege to not be passive about it. There's a certain point in my earlier life where I would defend that it was something I was unaware of, that it was I was a born into it and I wasn't thinking about it. You have that excuse. We all have that excuse, just not anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I don't. Now I don't. And that's great. But the option is of either, oh, well, I, I'm aware of it now. And so I'm going to, I'm going to step out. I'm, I'm going to, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm just going to be really consciously not drive the car. And I think that there's something criminal in that as well. Yeah. Is that it's, 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 it's an insult to anybody who doesn't have privilege for you to be, to, to say, oh, I'm just not using mine. Well, I agree that, you know, feeling torn between both ends of that spectrum. And in a way, I I, I think I, I'm a few steps behind you, Drew, you know, in terms of being a, an effective and active person in the room, which I look forward to being, like to being an ally to people. Uh, yeah, I mean, we haven't been in a room with a person for 15 months, so. 
Yeah, well, there's that. But I mean, uh, even before that, even pre-pandemic, when I when I was learning about the concept of privilege, I uh, and I'm still very much in that phase. Uh, I mean, I get it now. I, I understand what it is. But I think what I'm trying to understand is the mechanics of privilege and what that means. Because sometimes I, I get a bit, I have a bit of a reflex, you know, if I if I do something that I learned, say, in the moment is politically incorrect. It's this uh, knee-jerk reaction to just be very apologetic and and you know be be part of the solution in in very overt and, and active uh, visible ways. But but I'm not. But, but that even that feels a bit selfish. You know that feels like trying to to appease people or something rather than to really address the the, the deeper issue. So for me, if I'm going to use the car analogy, I'm sort of I'm, I'm sort of reading the car manual right now. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of just Which sitting no in the car. One, no one has ever done. <laughs> It's always still in that Ziploc bag in the dash. Yeah, yeah it's just pristine. My whole car is like bleached in the sun and faded and broken. But that bag, I'm kind of sitting in the car reading the manual right now. And uh, and if I've learned one thing, it's that I have a lot to learn. And it, it's it been valuable, valuable to me. I mean, I, this goes back to my comment reg- earlier with regards to walking into a room and not having any concept of anybody else's perspective or narrative of reality versus my own. That's changing now. Uh, and then I think, then I think I'll, I'll, I'll be able to, to be, uh, more effective as, as the person in the room who can, who can make a move, who can lend a ride. I can't be an expert on all these things before I try to do something. So I do know that men interrupt women. So that's something that I can try to the best of my ability, keep driving the car but also like read the next page of the manual. Yeah, I want to know how the car works. I really like this analogy and this picture of, you know, Drew's Drew's picking people up. He's giving rides. Farron's reading the manual. And as far as I can tell, I'm slowly driving behind women on the street honking you're safe. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then they start running and I'm speeding the car up and I'm honking more. And yeah. like, Maybe she didn't hear me. And that's, you don't even own a car. Where'd you get that car? You literally stole somebody else's privilege. There's a guy behind me running. Hey, that's my car. And I'm like, guys, oh, this is confusing. <laughs> I know I needed it to catch up to this girl who's running. So I, so I drove to the forest. I lit it on fire and... Uh, uh, everything's okay now. <laughs> Previously on Menace of the Saucers, Fane Smith was taken to the vigilante mothership, had a tantrum when he was told he couldn't do what he wanted, and Kayvon blew his load doing too many voices. And now, the conclusion of Chapter 8. On the trip from the mothership back to Earth, in the small saucer, Thane found himself staring at Mirabelle and admiring her. She looked like any girl on Earth, except for her alien clothing. <laughs> I was curious where they like, she looked like any girl on Earth, except for her alien tentacles and <laughs> tail. That's why you need a full body slate. Exactly, exactly. She could be a minotaur. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> She looked like any girl on Earth, except for her alien clothing. She could be anyone's sister or wife. Sister and a wife. Old sister wife. Are you people, uh, perfectly human? Thane asked. A rather blunt question, and I don't mean to be impolite. Do you only look human, or are you human through and through? Listen, I just want to know, do you have a vagina? (laughs) Yeah, what are we... (laughs) Can I penetrate you? This is what I'm trying to... How far should I take yes. this? Yeah. Yeah. Just before we get in too far, 
UDTF or? Ha <laughs> ha, we're as human as you, laughed the girl. Evolution on similar worlds follows the same pattern with the same end result. That's a biological rule your scientists have not yet discovered. You'll have to tell me about your world sometime, began Thane. That is, if we ever meet again. Who knows, said the girl non-committedly. That is up to chance. Thane hoped chance would deal the right cards in the future so that he might again see this lovely creature from... Where? He didn't even know where her home world was. What an idiot. <laughs> I like how there he's trying to set up like um, the guy who didn't get the girl's number, but it's the alien. He doesn't know what planet she's from. Like he's going to look <laughs> right. her up. So uh, you, which planet? Was it from? Centauri 4 or 5? Wait. Oh, no. <laughs> Call me. The one that got away. He didn't even know where her home world was. But there was no time for more questions as the saucer landed outside his cabin. It was night now. Wear your psycho shield cap constantly, said Falcon, and the Morleans will be unable to trace you by your thoughts. Mirabelle waved from the underside hatchway as it slowly closed. Then the disc spun away at fantastic speed. Thane stood staring at the spot for a while. He turned to his cabin. Hands poised over the keys, he felt momentary guilt. He was, in a sense, betraying his alien rescuers, who hoped he would not write up his sighting or present his gold-plated evidence. Setting his lips firmly... How do you set your On lips? What? Just... <laughs> With concrete, I think. <clears throat> this was not his bare report, but a full-blown article aimed at mass circulation. It would go in prestigious... Pictorial magazine and go. The name of the magazine Pictorial is called magazine? Pictorial. Like, like Mad Magazine and National Geographic. It's italicized as though it's the title of the magazine. You know, uh, the, the prestigious Pictorial magazine. Can you read the sentence before that again? Did he say that he started. He, he's not writing his bear thoughts? Bear report or something? His bear report. Now, there are no bears. I've not seen any bears so far. He, yeah, three bears in black pulled up. I think they're just called black bears. <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> that was wonderful. Got a good laugh, though. So it's worth it. It's staying in. You got dad punned hard and you loved it. Oh, yeah. This was not his bare report, but a full-blown article aimed at mass circulation. It would go on in prestigious pictorial magazine and come to the attention of authorities and scientists. All would know this could be no crackpot presentation. It might well blow the lid off the UFO controversy and start off serious investigation. It might start the ball rolling to where the National Academy of Science, Congress, even the United Nations, became interested and launched a worldwide search for UFOs. Well, on the subject of self-owned privilege and entitlement, this man sits down in his shack in the woods... To write at his typewriter and is like, get ready, world, for the United Nations investigation into my article in Picture Magazine. With seemingly no memory of how everybody up to this point has not believed the word Disregarded everything. Said. Yeah. Even people who saw the evidence. <laughs> yeah, <it's> true. <laughs> like, this I is see definitely it. an alien oh metal. God. But I still don't believe it. Sometimes, it only took a spark like this to set a conflagration going. One that was already overdue, according to John Shields' book. Thane typed half the night. He even forgot the loaded shotgun within easy reach. 
Once he heard a suspicious sound outside, but found it was an opossum grubbing through his garbage pail. The MIBs, mystified by his complete disappearance, had been thrown off the track for now anyway, giving Thane the breathing spell he needed to finish his job. He wore his psycho shield cap as Falcon had suggested. Tomorrow, he would deliver the completed manuscript. The title was Saucerman Among Us. End of chapter. chapter that's the whole thing it was very little left and yet so much happened so little so little happened sorry did i say so much yeah i'm using that word wrong you are so little happened (laughs) when i say much i mean little uh okay so uh all that to be said thane went home and wrote the article with his shotgun that he always said he would do but that really that really made (laughs) it really made the entire section of the book where he goes to the mothership the strangest parenthetical yeah to what was going to happen anyways and then they brought him back home and then he just brought him home and he just did what he was in, like the whole thing is this huge parenthetical thought that doesn't matter really yeah why did they do that like did they do that to save his life but they could have just like taken him out floated around a bit till the bad guys went away and then just dropped him off back home but instead they like took him up to their mothership and then he got off and they were like great we're just getting gas gonna take you back down but their their whole thing was like we really don't want you to have evidence about what's going on so we're going to give you more evidence by showing you our mothership and explaining our technology and giving you a, a, a psycho shield helmet to help you protect you like you what if you really don't want him to blow the top off this thing your your actions are quite counterintuitive but what it made me think of which we won't there's nothing to add on to this but i'm very excited because i know we're going to be able to dedicate a whole episode soon is that the um presentation to congress on the uh unveiling of all the ufo documents is coming at the end of this month um, right. I don't know if you're noticing this, but almost every other day, CNN, other major mm-hmm. news broadcasters are talking about more and more about the sightings, about the reports. More senators are coming forward. Today, I read something that NASA is going to be uh, dedicating a branch of NASA to this investigation, looking into it. Like, mm. it's getting so mainstream. It's really interesting. God, why do I feel so cynical about this? I yeah. feel like. I feel like it's too big of a show. It, yeah. I, I just feel it like just it's too big of a show. It feels like a distraction somehow. Yeah. yeah. I don't Even know. Even if it's true. That like, that's right. the thing. I'm not questioning the validity of it, but I do feel like it will be a uh, a decided effort as to when to release that information. I feel like something else big is going to happen that we're not going to be paying attention to. Because uh, aliens, aliens are real. We've we've actually got a picture of one, and it's real. He's shaking hands with Nixon. <laughs> it's uh, Alf. <laughs> Cat tail, yeah, cat, cat tail hanging man. out of his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it'll be very interesting to see what happens over this month because what you say is true. So, as we on the show and as humans track the uh, the what's going to happen in Congress at the end of this month, um, it'll be interesting to keep our eyes on what's going on globally at the same time. If this distraction theory is true. But there's one last thing, which is my last conspiracy theory to add to this whole thing. There's part of me that's really ready to acknowledge that it's not alien uh, technology, that it's not something from another planet. Uh-huh. 
But I also don't think it's from any recognizable government or nation or or something. That, I think there's a mystery of, of what's going on on this planet to us that could mm-hmm. still be human. And, Stark Industries. Well, like to a certain degree, Wakanda comes to mind. You know what I mean? Like right. But there's uh, there's one of the videos recently came out um, that they showed from a Navy pilot where this object was flying, breaking all the rules of, of physics as usual, as these pilots described. They're like, there's no way they could be moving that fast with this, these knots. The winds are too high. It's turning uh, without logic. And then it just turned and it dipped right into the ocean. Hmm. Atlantis. <laughs> That's what you think. I huh? could get behind that. Eight, what is it? 70% of our oceans are unexplored? Of our yeah. own planet? Totally. Well, that was a lot of fun, guys. Before uh, we part ways, if I could just get you all to pan your cameras down, I just have to make sure that you uh, don't have a horse's body or a goat's tail. (laughs) Oh, he has rabbit's legs. It's a rabbit's leg. Okay. That's not a rabbit's leg. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it so furry? Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you for listening, and we hope you had a good time with us. As always, we'd appreciate it if you subscribe and rate our show, and tell your friends if you're enjoying our story. I'd also like to clarify a controversial subject on this show. A minotaur has the body of a human and the head of a bull, while a centaur has the upper body of a human and the lower body of a horse. (laughs) 